2: All right, welcome to Talk Is Jericho, it's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday. So let's see what Duff McKagan's got going on with the illustrious, always anticipated Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff
1: McKagan, calling here. Hope you're doing well. Hope everybody else out there is doing well. You know, um, when we make pizza at home, it's my wife's job to shred
2: the cheese, yeah, she's the greatest. Thank you very much goodbye <laughs> That was good well Susan, Susan McCagan is pretty great, uh, and I love that joke, uh, and I love you too, Duff. Thanks for sending it in every friday and Duff's new solo e p this is the song is out now. three new songs. All for Mental Health Awareness Month, which is now the month of May. And of course, you can see Duff and Guns N' Roses this summer in Abu Dhabi, uh, all across the states as well. And Fozzie's on the road as well as we are in the middle of our Ugly Kid Joe and Pistols at Dawn tour. We had a great show in St. Charles, Illinois last night, just outside of Chicago. And tonight we're in Green Bay, Wisconsin. We hit Turtle Lake tomorrow night at St. Croix Casino. That's the 20th. 21st we will be in Indianapolis, Indiana. 22nd on Monday, will be in the Rust Belt, Moline, Indiana as well. And then we got to go over AEW Double or Nothing in Las Vegas over Memorial Day weekend. It's a busy, busy time for me, as always. It's been a crazy couple months. Back on the road to finish up the Elgin Kid Joe Fozzie co-headlining tour, June 1st in Atlanta. Then we head to Cottonwood, Alabama, Fort Myers, Florida, Tampa, and then we close it out June 5th in Destin, Florida. The full list of tour dates and all ticket information is at FozziRock.com. We are doing our legendary VIP meet and greet, one of the best in the biz. We take pictures with you. We sign things. We chat with you, do a QA, and a and we play a private mini concert for you. Five songs every night. Uh, we've got a few spots available. Go to fozzyrock.com. You can also uh, get the level of VIP where you can play guitar, play bass, or sing with Fozzy. So go check that out at fozzyrock.com. We'll see you on the road. And speaking of being on the road and speaking of AW, Raphael Morphy returns to talk as Jericho. He's AEW's Vice President of Touring and Events. He was also on the Chris Cannon uh, Memorial Podcast. They're really good friends. But raphael has been in the business for over 30 years. He worked for Vince McMahon at WWE and helped out TNA for years before coming to AEW. He talks about his start in the wrestling business, how a Stone Cold Steve Austin first pitch at a Yankee game ended up with Raf working for WWE. He's got stories about Vince McMahon and booking Madison Square Garden, and he shares his AEW journey, including his first meeting with Tony Khan, explains what it was like to get venues to take a chance on AEW live shows in the early days of the company, great stories about the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City, where that idea originally came from, talks about how AEW was affected during the pandemic and why that ended up being a great thing for AEW in the long run, talks about what it's like to promote a show in any given market, the logistics of traveling, production from city to city, some of the factors that go into determining whether AEW would bring the show, Dynamite, Rampage, or maybe Collision upcoming to a certain city. It's a fascinating look at the live business of professional wrestling with Raphael Morphy right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. All right, so I am here with Raphael Morphy, who I've known for, gosh, I don't know, 10, about years? 25 years, 25 years. Has yeah.
3: it been that long? I was thinking about that yesterday, yeah.
2: Now, here I'm going to ask you this with complete and, and utter uh, transparency. Now, obviously, you're the guy that I always go to for ticket numbers and for ticket information. What exactly is your title?
3: My title is Vice President of Live Events and Touring with uh, All Elite Wrestling. Okay, so Vice President of Live Events and Touring. So, obviously,
2: we met because you used to work for WWE. Correct. Now, that must have been uh, quite the honor because you grew up in New York. I know you're, obviously you are obviously were a good friend of... Chris Canyon's, yep. you were on when we did the Chris Canyon kind of tribute show, but first of all, explain exactly what your job is.
3: Sure, I you know job responsibilities are here with AEW to to book the venues, to be the main liaison between the uh, the venue uh, talent in terms of any issue back a house or whatever it may be, but in terms of booking the venue, uh, the local promotion of the show, things of that nature, uh, anything and everything involving the talent, our show, and and the uh, ticket sales. Now, is this what kind
2: of like um, what Bret Hart did? The other Bret Hart. Yes. So WWE had a a Bret Hart, great guy. Yeah, both Bretts are great. But the other Bret Hart, uh, he was kind of maybe higher up when I first got to WWE. He seemed like he might have been the the head of the
3: department. Yeah, I worked with uh, Bret. I worked for Bret when he was at at WWE. Uh, He's Tampa-based. But yeah, same type of responsibilities.
2: So let's go back to you grew up uh, in, in New York. Correct and what got you into this position and how did you get started working for wwe because obviously probably that's a dream for you
3: it was a dream and i'll i'll say this i was at wrestlemania one in 1985 oh, wow. as a fan and the first uh first trip my mom let me go with my teenage buddies on the road was wrestlemania three uh so i was uh, pontiac silver <laughs> yeah i was there i was there as a, a i was 15 years old i believe yeah, oh, yeah. so i was it was phenomenal so i was always a fan and as you mentioned you know uh I grew up in the same block, same neighborhood uh, with Chris Canyon. We were always involved in loving wrestling. But in terms of my career, we uh, – you know, out of college, I worked uh, I worked in many sports uh, TV stations locally in Boston, Boston College. And from there, it evolved to work for the Kraft family who owned the, the Patriots. So I worked oh, wow. with them, and an opportunity came working at the FIFA World Cup where I oversaw uh, stadium and press operations at Giant Stadium in 94 – Segwayed into uh, a job with the Mets, New York Mets baseball team. And it was there where I met um, Michael Cole and Steve Austin when he threw out the first pitch at a Yankee game. And things went well with Steve, and uh, Steve put in a good word for me uh, over there. What do you
2: mean? What, what, were you kind of his rep for the day? Or? His
3: rep for the day with the Mets. So I was working yeah. for the Mets, and uh, Steve came, and I arranged it with um, – with Michael and other people from uh, from uh, WWE at the time, and Steve came and he he just enjoyed his day and he he put in a good word for me. And
2: what did you say to him? Like, if you ever have anything in WWE that you need, to get, guy or
3: no? I I mean, with Steve, I just you know I gave him a space. I mean, he was a I would say a top ten celebrity at that time in sure, 1999 sure, in yeah. terms of all pop culture Think of his, uh, his yeah celebrity. He, yeah. It was July of uh, of 1999. He threw out the first pitch. Uh, I you know in terms of. Uh, engaging and interacting with him he he liked the experience of uh, of how uh, i handle things i guess for mm-hmm. for lack of a better term and and michael liked it and working with the tv crew in terms of shooting the, the package i think we did a, a drop-in package the next day for sunday night heat so it evolved into that so i you know i have to thank uh, michael cole and and stone cold steve austin for opening up the doors for me uh, at wwe uh soon soon thereafter i got a call and had a couple of interviews and um i met with uh, ed cohen a name you probably remember yeah, yeah. A legend in the live event business. Uh, I was working in marketing uh, promotions w- with the Mets at the time, and and also with Clubhouse Matters. So uh, it all evolved. And being a fan, um, I was very intrigued. I, I love the opportunity of uh, possibly going on the road for shows. And, you know, being, you know, I love baseball. I played baseball. Played baseball in college. Uh, but you know, being the same venue each and every day for. Uh, for Homestance give you a grind and I, I was I was young. I was in um, I was in my late 20s and I, I jumped at the opportunity to work at WWE. So when you
2: start, because you mentioned, I mean, we talked about Brad Hart, but I, I guess Ed Cohen would be the better example. So Ed Cohen was, he's no longer with us. Great guy. Yeah. And, God bless him. Uh, he was basically, like you said, the top dog in booking WWE shows. Correct. I'm kind of speaking a little bit paraphrasing, but he probably went back to the 80s when they were booking two shows a night or three shows a night. Like he had been through all aspects of the WWE, WWF system. He
3: was there in all aspects when they had those uh, those multi shows in one day. He mm. I, it was him and he I, you know I think him and Howard were one of the first very f- Howard Finkel one of the uh, very few uh, first employees they ever had there. Vince ever had yeah, yeah right yeah from <laughs> so I you know I learned a lot from Ed and he uh, he was a tough boss but he was a fair boss mm. and you know I, I can say that for a lot of folks I worked for at WWE he was uh, tough but fair yeah you know? so when you go there. How do you start making your way up the
2: the ladder, so to speak? What are your jobs when you first arrived?
3: Well, I yeah you know, one one uh, responsibility I was granted, and I was very lucky uh, having strong contacts in the local New York market. They gave me the opportunity to oversee and promote and be the, the venue liaison for all shows at Madison Square Garden, all, all shows in the tri-state area. So wow. that was. That was a big, big role there, um, and from there, uh, in terms of proving, uh, proving yourself and putting some time in, you 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 uh, were given other markets to to mm. promote locally. Well, let's uh, talk
2: about the Garden, obviously yeah. the world's most famous arena. Correct. You know, I'm sure they probably have gigs there four times a week, maybe yeah. more. Who the hell knows? How do you promote a WWE show? If we say WWF, if you guys know what we're talking about, it was the WWF at the time, but WWE. How do you promote a WWE show? In the market of New York City and Madison Square Garden, which is probably the entertainment capital of America, maybe Las Vegas, but but it seems like New York might even be more so.
3: Yeah, more so. I mean, and, and back then they were playing the venue more frequently yeah, too. every so, six weeks it yeah, seemed, or it, is that it, what it was? Every six weeks. So the challenge was there. I mean, not, not only uh, having your relationships with the uh, the local media partners, whether it be uh, radio, TV at the time, but also uh, soliciting those those third party opportunities where you can uh, tap into an advertiser's media plan uh, via an appearance when we're leading up to the show on show date, uh, where they build a promotional plan where the payoff is uh, that talent being at said uh, location to sign. So, you know, that, and we always call that other people's money when we promote it. Uh, it's something Bret Hart and I had mentioned, um, and we used to tell folks in our, in our department, um, great, well, you have a budget to spend? You can allocate that, and uh, we have tremendous resources here in terms of uh, PR, etc., but how can we utilize other folks' money, other people's money in terms of media partners, promotional partners? Mm. And that came in either uh, through uh, straight solicitation of, of local businesses around, or a lot of the media partners and radio stations introduced that for you. And then you can craft a package where you offer WWE or AEW resources, and they could sell it as a radio station to the client and you inherit all that media which those items are important when you're in a market frequently and it, it wasn't only msg we we're playing at that time the Meadowlands arena Nassau coliseum sure. so
2: yeah that's what you also got like you know boston's just up the road correct. That,
3: that fleet center
2: and all those big places all too. That. philly yeah,
3: whether it's car dealerships uh yeah uh Appliance stores, things of that nature. Back then, we, we're, we're talking about... No, uh, I, I remember yeah. uh,
2: Hugo savanovich Yes. Was he a promotions guy as
3: well? So uh, same department? H- Hugo uh, Maslik, I believe his name oh, was. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Wrong name. Hugo Maslik. Yeah, yeah and I replaced him. He, he, gotcha. it, it, he left to go to the Daily News. Okay. But um, I remember
2: working with Hugo yeah. uh, Maslick, and it was very important to go do the signing at the local car. Yeah, car dealership. Car dealership, mm-hmm. yeah and not understanding like not that i had an issue with it, but why is it so important to go to the car dealership and you mentioned for that because the local presence they had could really direct people to
3: the garden correct whether because you know they had their media budgets they have and they're spending on on so many stations because they're a car dealership and they have the capital to do so and they have the leverage because they're you know, with these uh advertisers they're you know they're uh, incumbents that are are placing each and every week so they get better rates so that's why those type of um, businesses were attractive to partner up with at that time. It was Abergaard. like a
2: Madison Square Garden budget for advertising, mm-hmm. even though we're selling 15,000 tickets or trying to. It's not a lot of money. I remember hearing when Hugo explained, it, it was like it's 1,500 bucks. It was like some really small amount yeah. of money.
3: It, it averaged uh, anywhere between, I would say, 20 to 25 grand uh, still back then. A, still not a lot for New York City. Not at all. Not at all. So you you, you had to seek other opportunities to to promote and be out there. And then you, you have your more traditional methods, earned media, doing publicity tours. I remember being with you on many uh, yeah. during uh, our WWE tenure. So uh, th- there's ways about it. But in terms of promoting and getting your uh, your tickets sold, they're very effective means. And they're very effective means to do so after you, – you have to have a, uh, a well-built marketing plan going into an on sale and uh, on the go-home, whether it's seven to ten days or, or two weeks. But that middle portion, so the it sustains itself in terms of the pace of sales. That's key. That's when you have to bring in a lot of partners, whether it's uh, radio stations bringing them to you on air uh, promotions or radio stations, but also those opportunities with, with other uh, business partners in the uh, in the local market.
2: And this is also too pre social media, correct? So correct. now
3: you can, you know, I, I mean, for anything you can promote
2: almost the whole thing on social media. Yeah, if you, you, know how, you but could, it was-
3: but those but those methods still work too. The uh, those old school methods because they have they have media budgets they have mm-hmm. ad budgets mm-hmm. in uh, w- you know with local stations you know whether they're uh, local affiliates whether they're the the, the local sports network our, you know, our Sens, which are which are more prevalent now than they were then like the yes networks of the mm-hmm. world or Bally's, things of that nature so a lot of those businesses uh, advertise on those platforms because uh, a lot of people are watching sports
1: do you want a beautiful lawn?
2: You mentioned kind of the on sale, and and, and and we'll get to this. I know that there's a few other guys that you've worked with, but I'm I'm a guy that's probably constantly hounding you. I'm a numbers yeah. guy. I do it with Fozzie. I do it with the Jericho Cruise. Like I, love I like it, knowing. Though. I love it because exactly, it drives me crazy when you're like, well, the promoter hasn't given us an update yet. And it's like, if I was a promoter, which I am now with the Jericho Cruise, I would want to know every single minute mm-hmm. how many tickets there are and how many tickets are out there. How important is the on sale? Are the majority of tickets bought in the first couple of days?
3: I would say uh, it is essential. It is the end all and be all. Uh, so right now, uh, I mean, back then, we're talking you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was the actual general public on sale where you have talent at a box office and what have you. Uh, I
2: remember that at Baltimore uh, Arena yeah, waiting to sit there yeah. at the table on, the on sale day. Yeah, yeah
3: but, uh, but now you know, there, there, there's so many um, pre-sales because you know, data is king right now, uh, and data is king. Yeah, what data is king. Mean? you know, having databases, having email uh, gotcha. bases, uh, harvesting that data um, from previous ticket sales through uh, through other uh, partners that you have, and you can sell a lot of tickets via the the pre sale mechanism. And then, um, yeah, you know, then you have your general public on sale. So I would say now you would have 80 percent of your sales on the pre sale sold. Yeah, it, it depends. It, but a, a strong, acute interest in a show, you're going to see that 70, 80%. For for instance, you know, we just had a uh, pay-per-view go on sale for uh, Forbidden Door in Toronto. Uh, most of it went on the pre-sale in that regard. But um, I would say on average, uh, average show, you probably have 60% of, of your sales off the gate, and then uh, another 20 to 30 on the go home period. Different markets vary. Border towns. Uh, you know, handover cash type of uh, markets where, where folks uh, may not have incremental cash. Uh, you may see a bigger go home period, but I, I would say on an average, six at the start, twenty to thirty percent on the uh, last week or last ten days, and in, in the middle, you have trickling here Is and there. So right. that's why you have to have other mechanisms, you know, other ways to skin the cat. You, you have to have that because if you go in thinking uh, I'll rely on this and that on the hard cash and um, and some publicity there. You're not doing your company um, justice in that regard.
2: Well, it's funny because even like, you know, playing with Fozzie for 20, 23 years now almost. But I remember the early days to be like, well, you know, walk-ups you'll get. I can't remember what the, what the thing was like 40% of your tickets are walk-ups. Mm-hmm. And now it's like this hard. Sometimes there's like no walk-ups, yeah. zero, yeah. you know, because it makes it so easy now to buy tickets. Correct. That, you know, no one's waiting to the last minute. They can just buy it on their phone, you know, and I'll go next week or whatever it Yeah. May be.
3: That's kind of gone off the window. We still get
2: some walk ups. Some
3: walk up here and there. I mean, we we had a great one at the forum uh, back in January. It is, right. Um, And that's. Winnipeg uh, was pretty good. Yeah, Winnipeg was very strong. Thanks. You did a lot of media out there, and and Kenny did too, uh, and others. But, uh, you know, a lot of it, because it's accessible right now to Mm -hmm. purchase, it's easy to buy a ticket on a mobile platform. But if the product's hot, if there's interest, a match is. uh, stimulating buys then you'll you'll have folks coming out uh on that walk up you
2: see that even to this day like if they announce yes. a hot match that you'll see like okay there's an uptick yeah
3: no doubt hmm. uh one i remember last year we moved a lot of tickets was um, at ubs arena a derby versus jeff hardy oh wow, wow yeah we you know we really jumped that last week um, i think it was may of last year may gotcha. 2021 yeah, yeah, yeah. so it still happens
2: Talking a little bit more about working with WWE, so did you ever have meetings with, with Vince? Yes. How were those meetings and what, what consisted in those?
3: Our meetings with Vince, uh, well, you know, I had a, I had a couple of McMahons as, as my direct boss. Uh, Vince was, uh, on one occasion, uh, more so Stephanie. Uh, my office is right next to Stephanie's for, for a long time. But in terms of Vince, uh, he was fair. Uh, a lot of it was... Uh, Going over our bookings for you, know, where we're going in terms of routing, etc., and if he didn't um, like something, we had some input in, in terms of how things can improve uh, from a TV venue standpoint or a venue to lay off for a time. He he, you know, he'd be open and uh, he contribute that, um, and he was fair in that regard, and he he listen to what our rationale was, especially when we when brand extension happened and and, and we had two simultaneous tours. Mm-hmm. And you know he would you know, he would give his feedback from TV from talent, and it was it was good structure in that regard. Now in, in, in working with him, I, I would say he was fair, and he, he was a fair boss in that regard. He, he was always open when uh, when I was in the gym late at night and I had a crazy idea, what have you, and he he listened to me. Uh, you know he he didn't blow me off in that regard. I, I remember telling him about Arthur Ashe Stadium mm. in the gym. Uh, this is when wow. it, it, it it did not have a roof. Okay. And his response was, well, it it isn't an open air, but it's a good location. It's uh, Mm -hmm. centralized. It's where a lot of our fan base is. And and I explained to him that a roof is coming there and eventually did. And um, I I, I was no longer in uh, in, uh, WWE and we had the opportunity to do it here. Thanks to become
2: our home arena in New York City. Oh,
3: it's great. I mean – we came out at the right time here at AEW where there was, uh, th- there's options in a, in a New York market to place, not only MSG. And MSG, you know, we, we've had conversations with them, but they have loyalty to, to uh, WWE, and I don't blame them. I was a small part of that on the other side. So I, I appreciate their loyalty and, um, and, and how they feel uh, committed to, to WWE. But as you said, we embraced a venue that's our own. And it, it, it was a venue, uh, in, a venue being in Arthur Ashe Stadium. The, uh, it's, it's something that we embraced, took over, and something we were going to do right in our infancy. Really? We were. We were. We were going to have uh, that pay-per-view on your birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah. was going to be in? We thought about it.
2: About Arthur Ashe? Arthur Ashe. Oh, okay.
3: But, uh, Arthur Ashe, similar to Safeco, where you, know, where you had that match with, uh, with Sean, at WrestleMania 19, it's open-aired. Even though it has a roof, right, and we were concerned about the conditions, big show in New York, uh, right in the first month of our uh, existence, existence. <laughs> uh, let's play it safe. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That's what, we, and we were right because if you remember in Baltimore where we did have the pay per view full gear, it was twenty degrees that night. Uh, yeah, in the northeast. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I remember because it was your birthday. Uh, yeah, that's true. So um, we had it. You know, uh, we had a conversation with Arthur Ashe Stadium, and we great dialogue great people danny zosner there chris dudley uh great folks uh we nurtured that and we were going to have a show uh soon after the uh the the pandemic date
0: Mm -hmm. it was going
3: to be sometime in 2020 obviously we didn't have it i'm amazed that you know we uh, we were able to keep it under wraps and and surprise everyone We've done two
2: great gates there yeah we you
3: know we did uh we did over 20,000 folks uh the first time out, and then we, we did a million-dollar gate uh, where, yeah, the where Jericho became Ocho, if I That's the truth,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you mentioned, uh, uh, talking about Vince a little more, you mentioned you had some crazy ideas that you ran past Vince. What, what, do you remember any of them that, that you went to him with?
3: Remember the skaters from, from Canada? The uh skaters yeah it, it, i think it's 2002 uh-huh. olympics about the gold medal oh and yeah yeah, yeah, the yeah. Whole controversy right, and, right 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 and right, right and yeah, i yeah. remember going up to him you know kurt was uh it was round around re- leading up to wrestlemania and kurt's a real gold medalist i'm like let's bring him out and uh, you know, let's, let's have fun with that. Mm. Said, yeah, I like the idea, but you know, let, you know I don't want to disrespect those kids uh, in, in that regard. So that's one idea, but he, he used it because the, the Kurt used it in his promo, um, uh, mm. at, at WrestleMania that year, I think it was the, the one in Toronto, but I, you know, I try not to bug him too much, but he was, he's always receptive.
2: Any outside of the box promotional ideas? Like, Hey, we should do a show here or something. I mean, you mentioned Arthur Ashe, yeah. but I mean. I remember we had a pay-per-view in Puerto Rico and that sort yeah. of thing. Like this seems to be a little bit off the beaten path.
3: Yeah. I mean, that was one that, uh, we, we really had to sell hard. I, I was there. I was my show. Uh, and it's something that Ed really wanted to do, uh, mm. a novel. And it, it was costly at that time, getting a, a TV production done in Puerto Rico. I know they're going to have two shows here coming up. Uh, but you know, we, we, we had to get a, a container, uh, with, with a ring there. So yeah, that was one idea in terms of, uh, crazy ideas. Uh, you know, a, a lot of the tribute to troop things that we, oh, yeah. we we did were off the beaten path. I know we uh, we had a show in, at the Fayetteville uh, Crown Coliseum where we were invited all Fort Bragg to come out, but, you know, we didn't know if they were going to come out or not. So, <laughs> you know, I remember Kevin Dunn specifically uh, asking me, are, are you sure we're going to have folks come here? Because um, we, we comped it out. Oh, yeah. They came, but, it, yeah, it was, you, you don't know until the folks are there. And, you know, we're shooting TV and it's... Uh, yeah, so you know, the, the, you know, those are some things that I remember. You know, you know it's very so so interesting. Is being com-
2: unconventional co- comps are hard too because there's no, no there's no skin in the game. Correct. So, say like we gave out you know 100 comps. It's like, well, it doesn't mean 100 people are showing up.
3: Correct. I mean, you Usually, know. comp ratio I would say anywhere between 40 to 50 percent. Don't yeah yeah do show up or don't that do show up. Gotcha. gotcha do gotcha, show up. Gotcha. more often than not they do not. But you know, but there's some groups out there that you know that they utilize comps effectively. Mm. They, there's a group out there called ticks and you see a good u- utilization rate. They're, uh, they're, they're veterans and they, you know, they come out, they love wrestling.
1: Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit truegreen.com. T R U G R E E N dot com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed.
2: Last couple of things about Vince. Do he have any rules? I know because sometimes my point is we'd go to a you know like I don't know, let's say Lafayette, Louisiana, and he would not say Lafayette. He would just say here we are in Louisiana. Yeah. You weren't allowed to say the name of the city because he felt it was too small.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we would hear that. I uh, not from Vince. It was more Kevin would, would convey that to us. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to come here, and we it's going to be. Uh, it was usually a, a, a university town. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're going to call it Penn State University. Right, or, right. Or, you know, we're here live from the University of of Texas. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And when we we're in Austin, so I get it. I mean, you know, f- folks know those. Uh, you know, you know that that name or that entity more than the town we're in. Mm-hmm. It was one time, I remember we we, we did a TV and. In Jonesboro, which uh, didn't work well for uh, for TV, and that, you know, I heard it. I heard yeah. it. I think it, it, I think it was the angle where you know where Stephanie uh, revealed uh, where you know she was a villain. You know, mm-hmm. uh, not the one where. When they got married or something. Yeah, they, they got married. It, it, it was the one shot where yeah, that screaming shot with Stephanie's screaming right. at, and her saliva is right. there. And, <laughs> it, great with her uh, intense yeah. eyes. It, it, it was there in Jonesboro, but I, I remember she. Uh, he came back and she came back saying uh, that, that venue was really tough to work in. So, oh yeah, Did house you get, show, and you, you hear that a lot. Great show, town, it's yeah. to a house show, show venue.
2: Is there certain specifications that you have to adhere to when you book buildings?
3: Yes, certainly. I mean, the uh, and you know, and Tony Khan does a great job communicating communicating that to me. Often, uh, ideally, we want to be in a town that, um, you know, especially us that ha- at AEW we have less TVs than another company. Um, a, a town that has professional sports hmm. is always big. Also um, a town that uh, is within the top 25 usually in, in DMA. I mean, there's, there's reasons why you, you, you may uh, go outside of the top 25 market, a calculated risk you know, in that regard. So a good facility, you know, we at AEW, um, you know, we, we have to look at other uh, facilities for, for reasons where you know, we're, we're not able to get dates. Too, we,
2: we've always been smart too and like you know rather than playing the hockey arena in town mm-hmm. we play the university arena and, and fill it up i mean it seems like a you know a smarter way to
3: do yeah, things. yeah especially when we you know when we first started it was an effective tool uh, for instance where, where we are uh, today i mean we're in st louis and um uh you know here we're at the chaffetz arena it's not uh, the main arena but it, it's the right size arena for us in terms of uh where we're at as a company now who
2: plays here in this arena uh
3: st louis university who is, program
2: is it a hockey arena or uh, no, basketball? basketball gotcha so obviously basketball. yeah. so we're not going to go where the blues play i can't remember the yeah. name of that place is but we're at the place where the, where the college basketball team yeah. small. You know, and
3: we would uh, for a pay-per-view yeah uh good venue deal sure, and we, we sure. you know we, we played uh big rooms also yeah. i'll say this about the pandemic uh the pandemic really really helped us out uh on many levels uh helped us out really i think so i'm gonna give you a couple of reasons number one i mean and you can attest to this because you you were here from the beginning chemistry wise i think it helped us out backstage yeah together as a family and i I don't use that term loosely Mm -hmm. it did i would say from a um from a tv viewing standpoint it evened the playing field in terms of uh the product interesting yeah uh where you know the production bells and whistles weren't there in the beginning. Mm. I know the Thunderdome came and, yeah, and yeah. we changed things too, but I'll say this coming out of the pandemic venues were starving for programming, Oh yeah, starving for programming. So, um, and that, that's why I bring it up. Um, venues and there were some that were apprehensive to book us just, you know, were elated to hear from us cause they just wanted to get programming yeah. in, uh, where, Maybe if there, you know, if there wasn't a pandemic, it would have taken a little bit more time mm, interesting. to to cultivate that relationship. Right. So that helped us. It did, and uh, you know, and I think and I can't speak for venues, but I think some venues, you know, communicated to the WWEs of the world or concerts. Yeah, you know, we you know we we have to we have to bring them in. We we, mm-hmm. we have to make uh, we we have to have so many dates in terms of programming in our in our house because we miss so many. Sure, sure. So it those three reasons, I think it helped us as a company. Obviously, you know, I think. You know Tony Khan, uh, for you know for uh, keeping me around. Quite frankly, when we're doing uh, houses uh, in terms of uh, during that time of the pandemic, but I'll say this: I'm very proud that this company AEW. We were the first company to have socially distanced fans for a show, and that was, you know, that, that was a big project because we, uh, you know, fortunately we were in the state of Florida where they were soliciting sports leagues right. to have all their leagues there, and they did. You know, they, they wanted to make sure WWE was there. They were UFC ourselves. So, you know, we were all essential employees uh, under that uh, uh, deemed entertainment. So that was a big thing. And then we, we, we you know, we worked a lot with the municipal folks and in, um, in Jacksonville. We had, we
2: had a lot of military there for military, a while too. Yeah. yeah,
3: and it was, but making sure we we're socially distanced and safe. We never had an outbreak at our shows. So I'm very proud of that. And then coming off that, we were the first show in wrestling pro wrestling to uh to have a uh, full capacity crowd at the dailies place yeah it yeah. was a great night i yeah. I, I remember the night you, you guys ended up in the ring with it's the inner circle stand-up stamp beat too yeah that was one of uh, one of my favorite nights ever in this business yeah because you knew we were coming back mm-hmm. and in the fact that we were the first company to have a f- you know a full capacity crowd which we did i mean albeit it was you know just shy of six thousand but uh
2: Still, that was might as well have been a stadium show that yeah, night. It,
3: the energy was great. It, it, it was a special night. So, uh, a lot of good memories coming off. Uh, you know that that tough time that we we all endured.
2: Tell us about your journey to AEW. How did you end up leaving WWE, and how did you get involved with AEW?
3: Yeah, I uh, I left WWE in uh, in 2013, um, and I uh, from there I I started working with uh, Don Garber uh, at at Major League Soccer. Uh, he's a commissioner in as a consultant, helping them get their, their New York franchise, which is NYCFC now and trying to get a stadium built in, in Queens, New York, uh, which eventually got approved uh, this year. So mm. I, I'm happy that happened. And I, I was busy there and uh, that was a great experience, but I, I'll say this after I left WWE, uh, you know, Jeff Jarrett and Bruce Pritchard at the time were, um, were reaching out to me cause they were at, at TNA impact. Yeah. impact. Yeah. And, um, you know I owe a lot to Jeff and and Bruce for for bringing me back in the business. It was also they got you back in. Yeah, they, they did. I I, I mean, I was, I was a little burnt out, um, and they got me in. And and you know, I you know, I loved working with Bruce, uh, and uh, I love working with Double, with Double J. I mean, I work with them now. I mean, I, I have great chemistry with, with Jeff. I mean, mm. with, with what we're doing now with the with the house shows, uh, House Rules, we're going to do here with with AEW, but. Um, we get each other we have great chemistry you know we, we're, we're great teammates in, in that regard and i learned a lot from him uh, when he was my boss too in that regard so and then th- there was a time where i became like the showrunner backstage to for all the wrestling shows that weren't don or, told uh, me you were even a character on the show yeah, once, yeah. oh yeah with yeah i was uh, a menendez yeah. the, the, the scumbag reporter yeah. um, that don created the, yeah, of course don call's creation um, i had fun with that but at that time, I was uh, I was working. Uh, I, I did. Sh- I helped Dreamer do some shows. Uh, I helped Court Bauer at MLW. I helped uh, uh, obviously Impact and Scott Demore there all at the same time. Wow! So I was busy mm-hmm. and, and I was making good money in, in that regard. And then a mutual friend of ours and your rep, uh, you know, your know, Barry uh, Barry Bloom, uh, informed me uh, about what may be happening right here. Obviously, Jim Ross, who is like a father to me. Uh, who I'm very close with, and who's h- helped me so much in my career. You're like
2: Jim's day-to-day guy. I remember in the cruise. You kind of <laughs> yeah. like his day.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I Jim is. I, I, I'll say this about Jim. There, there, there's two male figures in in my life, very influential. One being um, Jack Kern, who's my high school baseball coach. I played in college, but for Archbishop Malloy High School, actually, uh, same coach who coached uh, Big Bill here, B- Bill Morrissey, oh, okay. you know, yeah, 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 uh, big name. He. Um, he was a big figure for me. I, you know, I, I grew up in a, uh, single mom household mm-hmm. in New York city. So, uh, and then Jim, Jim's, uh, Jim and my, prof- uh, Jim Ross in my professional career, he's been everything. Uh, yeah. And who, I mean, I can learn anything from Jim, whether it's town relations items, sure. whether it's a uh, promotion, whether it's just day to day, very helpful. So, uh, I'm very fortunate. I get to work with guys who helped me out in the past. Like, uh, Jim Ross, the aforementioned Jeff Jarrett uh, of the world, and, and yourself. I mean, I'm not saying because I'm on your show. I mean, we, we, we have a relationship in that regard, too. So it's uh, it, you know, it's exciting. So how
2: did you finally, like, what was your first show that you did for AEW?
3: I was contacted by uh, someone who helped me out tremendously here, too, uh, in the onset. was Cody, working uh, very closely with Cody, with Cody Rhodes. Uh, he reached out to me. Uh, you know, they they wanted someone. It, uh, it was time to to go in terms of uh, booking venues, running the events, uh, selling tickets. Uh, so you know, Cody reached out to me, and I met uh, Cody, uh, Matt, and Nick, the Bucks, um, a couple of weeks prior to our opening press conference that we did by the pool in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, we hit it off. I I did a presentation to the Bucks and 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 to Cody and. Uh, then Tony became involved. Uh, you know, uh, Keith Mitchell was a big help, too. Mm-hmm. And Jim and, and Barry. So it, it was a perfect storm happening at that time. And Tony believed in me. And, um, and then I, uh, you know, I, my first show was the first show. We had uh, and, and, a, a and, Double and, or Nothing.
1: Do you want a beautiful lawn?
2: How was that when, because you mentioned you did some stuff for, for TNA and, and other companies, but this is the first kind of major company that, you know, you're hitting up MGM Grand. Was it hard to get those rooms uh, back then? And did you have the confidence that we could sell whatever it was for the first show, of 12,000 tickets or whatever it may be? I
3: was really confident based upon what happened at All In. In I mean, Chicago. Th- yes. Yeah. Uh, in in 2018, but I will say this: in terms of getting that room, the MGM grant, all credit goes to Bernie Cahill, mm. our, you know, one of our partners. Yeah, one, one of our partners. A, yeah. an activist, of one of Tony Khan's partner, and he's he's one person I listen to each and every
2: time too. Here, he's so Bernie is basically, like you said, he's a promoter. He is a manager. I think yes. he manages the Grateful Dead. He manages John Mayer. Lumineers. He's Lumineers. So yeah.
3: he has got a lot of pull in the business. He does. So he you know he he got us into the room. Um, and in terms of uh, that show and subsequent uh, touring after that, it, it was all on me. So they, they gave me the ball. Here you go. Um, and, you know, coming off the, uh, the great success of, of Double or Nothing, support internally from, um, you know, from the Keith Mitchells of the world, Cody Rhodes, Tony, eventually, uh, you know, uh, we, we established a rapport working together. I was given autonomy to, uh, to book the venues. Now, I, I'll say this, working those smaller promotions – after WWE, it helped me in terms of a, uh, examining and fine-tuning finances and P&Ls mm-hmm. in that regard. I think I, was, I, I, had, I had a skill set, and I was talented when I was at WWE. But However, uh, the time away and working with those smaller groups really helped me hone in in terms of P&Ls, uh, net profits. What's a PL? and uh, Profit and loss. Gotcha. Spreadsheets, data. I really learned a lot, I, I would say, during that six, seven-year period and really prepared me well to step into this role
2: at AEW. So, so WB, for example, mm-hmm. and I don't know how they do it now. I'm sure it's kind of still the same, but you know, we would start on a Friday and I don't know, Detroit, and then you'd have, you know, Saturday in St. Louis and Sunday to be Cape Girardeau and, 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 and Monday raw is in Chicago yeah, or whatever. So you would be able to base, you know, you can book your shows, book your trucks and you mm-hmm. know, the whole thing for us, we are just essentially working once a week i know sometimes it's different so how do you decide where to go do you try and kind of keep it in you know chronological geographical order or is it more like how do you kind of figure out what to do well, it-,
3: it at at the start we you know we wanted to be uh production friendly to our production team who was growing also right and and, and getting their um you know getting their uh their wings for like a better term uh they so we would book uh Somewhere close in a geographical area um, from the week prior as it got going and got rolling in terms of uh, if we were in KC and then the next week would be in, in St. Louis. But you always back book, Chris. You, uh, and that, that was the case in WWE, too. You would set your tent poles, uh, whether it's a pay-per-view or a big show, and then book backwards to route. So at first we, we, we did that. But now Tony Khan has great analytical resources. We are, we are going to lean on some of those in terms of data. He's uh, very for, much the analytical. Yeah, yeah. And we're uh, you know we're, we we've been around for four years now. We can examine our fans, uh, our our trends, also uh, set up variables and metrics. So we, we're we're going to lean on, on on some of his assets and companies in that regard. Not completely, but some software in terms of helping us out, and also you know taking calculated risk. You know that you know, that's always part of the equation mm. too.
2: Uh, I mean, it took us a long time to get to the West Coast. Yes. I mean, we just started going there basically this year i know yep. we had the one show the forum last summer but the yep. rest of it like seattle's and portland's and oh, yeah. you know all that stuff is this year now right
3: yeah it, it's uh, it happened a lot i mean, I mean we, we we had a, a lot of shows and frequency uh this year but i will say this in the beginning we didn't know how strong our product was going to get out of the gate sure so you know booking shows in the west coast at four o'clock midweek was always going to be a risk until we knew you know we, we had a, a solidified brand
2: now, a risk for us because we're new. Because WWE runs shows on the West Coast all the time.
3: Yeah, but you know we're, we're new. Gotcha. It's, it's four o'clock on, on on a Wednesday where we have to have a show go on air at five. Can we sustain that? Let, mm-hmm. Let's see how we're doing in these other markets. Uh, what our average uh, attendance is, and then the pandemic hit. You know, I, after the pandemic was over and we were going to hit the road again, we uh, we started in 2021. If you notice, when we started, a lot of those. Markets uh, just like WWE, or in Florida, Texas, yeah, things, uh, uh, states with with less restrictions, purposely done. North Carolinas of the world, and then we we eventually made our way to to the West Coast. Uh, you know we, and then uh, you know there's some um, great markets that we we have to hit strongholds like uh, obviously New York, but Chicago. You, you always hear fans uh, when we book Chicago and and just oh again this and that. Um, I'll say this. There's not one city in America that can have two million dollar, million dollar gates, two million dollar gates in the same summer in two different venues. Like we did last year in Chicago. There's a reason why we go to Chicago a lot because we have great venue partners there. We have great negotiations and that's part of the equation too. We have to negotiate great, great deals. We have to, uh, have a, a certain, uh, you know, percentage of our net back mm. from those ticket sales. Cause if you're, you know, if you're selling tickets and you, uh, yeah, you know, only make a you know a fraction of it. So sure, if you do a million dollar then, gate,
2: but the but the room costs nine hundred grand to to rent for the night, yeah. you're really not doing so well.
3: Yeah, it's a reason why you know, you know WWE didn't have many TVs at MSG for mm. for a decade. That that was one of them.
2: I'm sure. I, I always kind of got the the i the the thought that we just did MSG because you had to because it's yeah. the place to be. I don't think we ever really made much money in New York City at MSG as a company. For, for TV shows right? for uh, TVs right yeah for,
3: for uh, non TV shows we did I remember yeah. you and Cena were on top of one in 2009 and we it was made the highest gate at the we time we made a lot of money that night yeah. we did uh so you know th- that's part of the equation but I I, I think WWE laid off uh, the garden for that reason and also uh, the advent of a Barclays Center came into town mm-hmm. so they did a TV there which mm-hmm. you know it, it it wasn't as expensive as the garden. But now I, I mean, I, you know, I, I think their relationship uh, is, is a lot better. Oh, I mean, well, that's you know, what Vince MSG and, and, WWE. When
2: Vince, I uh, had a conversation with him when ROH was going in there mm-hmm. and there was a, a talk that I was going to do something on it with, with, with new Japan and, and we discussed it. And he's like, you know, he, he's, he, he didn't want me to be involved. And, and he was saying, you know, my father used to say the garden is the garden. Vince, mm-hmm. And that's it. The garden is yeah. the garden. That's all you need to know, right? Yeah. But for us, though, so when you're talking about going to some of these new cities, and I'm sure for a while, people are probably saying, hey, why are we always going to Washington, D.C.? Or why are we going here? Like, it was good to go to the Seattles and go out there, but you just mentioned because we had to make sure that we
3: could draw there first. Correct. And and getting back to the point about production, so, you know, it's, it's costly to move 11 to 12 trucks, 13 trucks. Uh, I know WWE has more. Uh, and for us, uh, especially when we're back on the road last year and gas prices were extremely high. I don't understand that. It's the I mean, same touring with Fozzie. It yeah, kills you. That that all played into factors. So, uh, you know, we took calculated risk uh, to be in the Northeast a lot uh, last fall. Um, and we, we didn't fare as well as we did the, the initial times. And we didn't know that because we, we didn't know that would be the result is what yeah. I'm trying to say is that we, the first few times, you know, we, we did very, very well. And we sold out many shows. So... It's you, you live and learn, but also in this business, it's, it's cyclical. It's how the brand is perceived and how you're doing in terms of uh, TV ratings, uh, whatever it may be. It's a cyclical business. It, you, know, you, and you really can't say we're going to do this this time because we did that. Right, right, time. right, right. So, I mean, but you acknowledge it, you realize it, and you, you get a pulse of the crowd. And uh, you also, you know, that's where data comes into, and um, you know, in terms of knowing where your fan base and heat maps that indicate where they're coming from. If they're coming, uh, traveling long distances to come to a show for, for a TV show, how far they're mm-hmm. out. That uh, incorporates digital buys and our spend and our reach and our records. So hard? that all plays into factors. They're all
2: variables. Is it hard to try and predict, like, for example, when we just did San Francisco for the last pay-per-view at the Chase Center, mm-hmm. and then we do two shows at the Cow Palace on Wednesday, Friday. So now we have a Wednesday, Friday, Sunday show all within the same market. Is it hard to predict, like, you know, I know we did it in Vegas last year too. It seems like it'd be hard. Like, what what cities can sustain three
3: big shows within five days? Yeah, I. they're they are few. Yeah, and we're, we're learning that. I mean, uh, New York, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, I think you have to uh, spread out the venues here and there. Maybe sure. do a Prudential or, well, or so
2: UBS. M- and there's so many
3: places close to New York, like you yeah. said, you could do a Philly, Correct. New York,
2: you know, if you needed to. Or whatever.
3: Chicago, and you know, we have. A great partner in Hoffman Estates uh, that ge- that gives us a, a great deal. Um, there was a reason why we did three shows last year there. We came back with a lot of revenue, after, mm-hmm. uh, and at, when after stagehands and stagehands uh, and labor costs at venues, um, that is the lion's share of, of, of your costs mm-hmm. on event day. So you know that's uh, th- that plays into factor, and and also uh, you know the rent deals you can get fr- from venues in terms of who, who can sustain the three days, but. Uh, I would say because because uh, the novelty of it possibly L.A. still. Mm-hmm. I say Chicago, L.A., and special events. I know we just Vegas. We special had special events like Vegas. Double we had
2: three, but then we just dropped a show. Is that because they there was a rampage was originally going to happen, and then it didn't happen? Is that because the the TBS moved it around? Or yeah, something? because
3: we yeah you know, we're going to be on air on Saturday. Gotcha. With rampage, and so we it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and we need to uh, be at T-Mobile Arena preparing on saturday yeah for that pay-per-view right right right. you know that's a stake at the plate sure sure uh the the
0: pay-per-view the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well
2: When you put a building on sale, because um, we've talked about this before, obviously we mentioned sixty percent right out of the gate. Hopefully, it's a lot. But then, do you concentrate on opening certain sections to kind of fill out the room as much as you can? Because, you, like you know, if you put if you have I don't know, let's say a five thousand seat arena, yeah. and you got four thousand tickets sold, you don't want them to be haphazardly around. You right. want them to kind of be all in the same that, area, right?
3: That's something I have to monitor each and every day. Yeah, and uh, adjusting pricing. Uh, It's something that um, a new hire here, uh, old friend uh, at WWE, old colleague Mike Mansuri and I are going to really hone in on in terms of uh, monitoring those sales. But that's something you have to take a look at. And if it means a price adjustment or uh, on the other hand, if if you're selling briskly, flexing pricing uh, so you can take home some more money at the end of the day. But in terms of the sequence of sales, you you have to be on top of it. You, You just can't put it on sale and leave it and come back to it a week later or two because then you, you don't want to relocate folks uh, the day of the show. Um, I've been there, done that, but I, I pride myself in not putting that onus on, on the venues because mm-hmm. it, it's a pain in the ass for the venues to, and, and for the fans, most importantly the fans. It's a customer relation issue. Uh, you, uh, even though you're going to upgrade them to a certain location and camera view, uh, they don't understand that when you're trying to explain that to them um, uh, on-, yeah, sure, on site. Sure, sure. And, and it's, uh, it's something we, we we try to avoid, but we you know we uh, you know as we grow our structure and our process here, it's uh, uh, you know we're lean and mean to start, but you know we you know I'll be working with Mike on that uh, on, on a lot of things, and it, you know we're we're lean and mean, but we're improving, and we're you know, we getting a lot of personnel. You know we have uh, and we have a great asset coming here too from WWE. Uh, he was there forever, Adam Hopkins. I look forward to working with Adam uh, in terms of uh, getting the local word out in, in these markets. Yeah, and I was going to you know, ask a you. a PR guy, folks. was uh, that? No, I, Adam's a public relations. Yeah, of course. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though Adam and for Adam. Other, anyone's listening, yeah. Yeah, and Adam
2: also was, was with WWE for 25 years yeah. as well. So to have guys with experience in this business, it, it just continues because it's a very unique business, as yeah, you have. know. How many shows do you have spinning at the same time? Because I'm sure you have to keep an eye on yes. all of them.
3: Uh, I would say anywhere between 15 to 20. Jeez. Wow, and for folks at w w e uh it's even more so because they they go on sale uh of late like a concert series uh where they they of late have been putting out shows uh seasonal they they'll put out thirty forty shows at once on, for the same on sale date there's pros and cons to it um and doing so they're able to do it because they have a frequent amount of shows but but i, I was about, i would say about fifteen to twenty shows at a time where you have to monitor. You have to make sure we're, um, you know, we're, we're on the right stations, promoting, updating spots. That's part of the process too. Sure. We're Kevin Sullivan here with us, he, you, <laughs> know, we, you know, we, you know, cause we change and, and wrestling changes. And if you're going match specific, um, you, you, you have to change spots. Um, uh, we, we have a new look like we did in January. Uh, you yeah, know, that's, that's all part of the process and that takes time. Um, and you know, right now here, it's just me uh, in our department. I mean,
2: you're going to need it, some assistance with that, I'm <laughs> assuming, at some point, right? <laughs> sooner <or> later.
3: Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, your match specific. It just reminds me, as, as someone who I admire, sitting down with Michael Hayes for all the house shows and shows in terms of, you know, we would sit down every Friday um, going over what's going on and what matches to promote and making sure the updates, uh, the updated spots were there and yeah, that, that's part of the process. It, I, I, I remember Michael saying, you know, it, it's, it's on you, Raphael, if uh, it, it's the department, but if, if these spots aren't, aren't up there, I, I'm coming to you yeah. um, in that regard. But I, I learned so much from Michael in terms of promotion, too, mm-hmm. in terms of, of thinking like a talent, um, and, and, and Laurenidas too, in, in that regard, because part of my job is a lot of talent relations issues, too, mm-hmm. in that regard. So Michael was a big resource in helping me um, map out how we promote events.
2: What's interesting, too, because, you know, I think probably in the early part of both of our careers, the matches were kind of the selling point. Okay, you, you know, you got Jericho versus Austin coming to El Paso. I remember we, we did a show there or, or Winnipeg and people would buy tickets on the match. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like it's changed a lot where people buy tickets. Oh, AW's coming. Let's go right. to the show. And you might not know any matches like I know now we're promoting for UBS in two weeks, some mm-hmm. of the big matches. But like, you know, if you're going to go to uh, Milwaukee. Which is in two weeks or three weeks? Two, two weeks, weeks. Yeah. But well, there's no matches announced, so that kind of probably changes the way you promote as well. And it's not just AEW, WWE as well, or whoever it may yeah, be. Yeah,
3: it's tough for everyone because you know we're you know we're judged by ratings each and every week, and um, and we're episodic TV. Where you know General Hospital is not giving out their finish right. Uh, you know, not two right. weeks uh, you know, before the air, so it's 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 the same situation in, in that regard. So it's it's, it's tough. But we have, you know, there's ways to let folks know, um, you know, a title's going to be uh, in play or uh, a special appearance or returned by someone. You know, there, there's different hooks. To we used to
2: do the dark match. Remember, like you would go on and Saturday and you're going to see Jericho versus Edge. Yeah. And then you'd go through the whole show. And if you had you'd go there for two minutes and do some shitty match, just yeah. so people knew. Six
3: man tag. Or but yeah. But they tag. knew they
2: were getting something, right? Yes. Yeah.
3: no, I, And they were important matches. And those. Yeah, we used to call them the TV main events uh, with Michael. You know, right, he, right, right. he would come in, okay, you know, because, uh, you know, Michael will have an idea uh, being on the creative team where the story was going to be that going that particular week or time and what talent to lay off maybe being on those main events, sure. but who we can utilize. Poor John Cena had to work all of them, no matter what story he was Always, in. Always, <laughs> yeah, because they wanted to – do the But guy, you had was, to yep, know
2: yeah. – the people need to know that Cena was going to be there. Yeah. So Cena would be like, at least versus we did. John and I did probably three dozen dark yeah. matches. Cena versus Jericho. Okay, for sure. We'll buy the ticket for that. Even if the raw episode had nothing to do with Cena and Jericho yeah. at the end of the night, you'd see that match.
3: That, that match would start probably at 1110. Yeah. Or whatever it may be. It'd be short and sweet, but uh, the fans would see what was advertised. Yeah. So. And then
2: they, they did a little chat at the end. Yep. we we'll talk for the fans, whatever it may be. Yeah,
3: I, I, you know, like I said, John was on all of them. Uh, for a long time, yeah. You
2: know. Now you, 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 so I came to you. I come to you all the time. Text you constantly. Yeah. Other other talents that do that as well.
3: In my career, there's been four of them that did that for every show, whether they're on the show or not. Mm. One was the aforementioned uh, Steve, uh, you know, Steve Austin, Stone Cold. Mm. Uh, Cm Punk is one. Mm-hmm. Um, John Cena mm-hmm. is another, and you. That's it. Four. Who? I mean, every show. I, mean, I, you know, you, you, get it from folks. If there's your home, their home sure, 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 sure. or they did media, and it's important to tell them the talent that too you know, thank you. You got to thank them. Number one, number two, tell them what kind of difference they made in terms of putting their time in uh um, for local it, media. It, no doubt. You have to do that. Yeah, and, sure and, and, do. Anyone who in any business, if, if you're working with a ball player, you're working, uh, um, you know, with a, a musician, you gotta let these, uh, men and females know that, um, you know, their contributions made a, made a difference. It's so important is the entertainment industry to do that. But yeah, I mean, it's the four of you that, that I remember each and every show, no, no matter what.
2: Do you still ever have, um, or is there such thing as like, um, you know, I remember when, 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 when the ring of honor did mass square, square Vince was not happy. Do you, do you get, do we ever get that from WWE of kind of undercutting us or, or, or overcutting well, us or,
3: th- you know, there's markets where, you know, they, they're there either after, uh, or a week or two before us. But I think a lot of that is pure coincidence. Mm. There may have been one or two times. I I think they may have uh, conveniently booked
2: a show before us. Oh, it's obvious. Yeah, they did it to us in El Paso a couple weeks ago, I think it was, or Laredo or something like that, didn't they?
3: They were there a month before us, yeah. Yeah, In in, in Laredo. But then you have stern conversations with venues saying, in that case, the, the venue didn't let me know. Yeah. Until it was, it, they announced it, so you know you, you have some, you, you know you have some strong conversations with venues saying you. Well, there's
2: some venues that go, "Hey, we're WWE."
3: Most venues do. They're really good about it in that so, regard. So they'll
2: let us come in.
3: Yeah, and, and, and I tell every venue, make the most amount of money you can from both of us. Sure. Just find some time for it us. Makes perfect sense. And, and uh, most venues love hearing that in that regard. Now, you know, some markets it's tough to. Because their market at WWE plays two or three times. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll give you an example. You know, Detroit. You know, we were in Detroit for a while because that town went from a four-arena town. Joe Louis Arena, Kobo, Little Caesars when it first opened up, and the Palace mm-hmm. to one. Little Caesars. So you have the Pistons and Red Wings Great now color. playing there. Wow. WWE plays that, uh, plays that market at least three times a year, mm-hmm. that, that room. So – it took us some time to find a little slice uh, mm-hmm. to, to get in there, and yeah, you know, I, I I won't name who, but uh, someone who's who, who has uh, a lot of pull there, I worked with doing the uh, the bid for the New York team at MLS, uh, and he uh, he gave us a chance, and we did great. I mean, we, we had blood we had, and guts there, and had a, yeah, we gave
2: a big show too. Because yeah, so, when we were talking about blood and guts. It was like what what arenas do we have coming up that can fit this?
3: I, I was at Laguardia Airport. You texted me feverishly. He does, folks. He, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we, I did because I wanted because yeah.
2: we, we could, What's on this night? I remember Tony thinking I might be this, might be that. And I was yeah. like,
3: Raph, you got to let me know. Is it yeah. Detroit? And we were
2: able to figure that out.
3: We were, and yeah, you know, and we were able to do that. And and the initial Blood and Guts was going to be at Prudential Center. if, yeah. if, if we recall, and, and that was. Yeah, it, that was another conversation that we, you and I had in, yep. in that regard uh, for the initial one, which, and, and which the never came is, to fruition.
2: And when we were saying big enough, not big enough from a city standpoint, big enough for the venue to be able to house the apparatus yeah, of when, the Blood and Guts the, You have uh, to have cage. a load in date.
3: Yeah. You have to. When you're bringing in two cages, uh, you have to set up two rings. You have to do rehearsals. You have to, uh, uh, from a production standpoint, be ready to go on, yeah, 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 uh, on yeah, event yeah, yeah. day our production team has grown and we we do many same day load-ins and shows now like, you know, and and WWE does that, has been doing that forever. And they had to do that when they were doing raw and SmackDown back to back dates. Um, but you know, they, they're a bigger company and they have more resources and more people working compared to us. So, um, the load-in date was key for our production team in the beginning here. And, um, now they, you know, when I tell them we need the only way we can get into a, a market or a venue and, and Tony loves being at these sports venues uh, and I don't blame him. Great resources backstage. Mm-hmm. Great from a production standpoint, you said from blood and guts where we can rig it, uh, wait. And also the, uh, the same day load in and, uh, and show helps us out too from a, uh, from a labor standpoint, we're paying, uh, unions one day and opposed to two. Do, right. So last three things for you, yeah. Raf. Um,
2: what is the kind of like we just did Winnipeg we've done Toronto mm-hmm. what's the international status for AW
3: there are plans for the UK cuz
2: obviously we're big in the UK as well yeah, yeah.
3: you know we have a great tv partner in, in ITV there uh, you know we we do have plans i mean it's no secret yeah tony announced um, it tony announced yeah. it so you know we you know they we are discussing uh, plans for the UK yeah. concrete plans so uh, which is great which is great so that yeah that's one that's one and you know we're we're you know we're in a many many nations uh, in terms of, in countries in terms of tv but it's important and i i did a, i think i did 80 international tours with wwe as a tour manager you have to have good tv in the country and yeah. let it and let the fans have a, a habitual viewing tendency for the show before you bring your product over you can't bring in a product un, until that tv is strong sure so we're still there right now in terms of uh, cultivating our viewership in uh, in many of these countries but internationally obviously uh, we're this summer will be in, in canada uh love to uh be in um in quebec and ottawa soon too
2: montreal obviously yeah. but, but, but toronto that 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 toronto show was just huge which because the first time we we're in toronto we had to do the smaller room yeah. twice because i think was it michael buble that was in
3: there or? no it, it was uh the leafs um, no, same it. same company uh maple leaf sports entertainment runs the coca-cola coliseum where we were and uh scotia bank arena mm. we needed to have a commitment to tsn our great partner in canada sure. who was really really pressuring us to to come to canada to have a show and in terms of avails uh i, I think wwe had a show at scotia uh, in august and yeah there's some exclusivity windows that, I got you sure there they is have, it's like have. that for rock and roll too yeah, yeah. and we, we have to adhere to them yeah uh and so do venues uh so we wanted to uh accommodate our our rights holder in t s n to be there before the year ended mm-hmm. and quite frankly uh the you know the only venue in Toronto that they could give us was Coca-cola Coliseum, so instead of just going one for a short uh excuse me for a one night uh show we, like we usually do every Wednesday around. we did two nights Did Wednesday Thursday Play souls 8000 we sold out both which is great but they told us we'll do this but you know we'll uh, we'll give you the opportunity to play the big the big room when it fits between uh, Time is right, yeah. when uh, well they also want I, I you know candidly i I think they want to see what our product can do there and we knew you knew yeah. you know you and I were joking and we probably just sold 30000 the first show yeah, that we had yeah, there yeah. but it's good to have Venue management companies believe in you, and, and they all do. I, you know, I get calls. Uh, you know, Jeff and I get calls now after House Rules. Now that's great from from D and C Markets. Uh, it's great, and you know, we, there's this belief in the product, and a lot has to do with the fact that we're you know our ownership Tony Khan. He's a, he's a big player. You know, he, he's a sports owner. Sure. You know, two you big know, teams. Yeah. You know, we, we talk to every venue, and you know whether it's uh, venues we play and, and, and don't play. And the reason we get in the room sometimes is because we you know, they're speaking to a sports owner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and, and we're speaking on behalf of the sports it owner. Legitimizes it. It does. You know, they they're A lot of them are sports clients, so that that helps out. Also, help. You know, Bernie plays a big factor too. His shadow. You know, he you know he can bring a lot of dates to to a lot of venues. Last question for you, man. Uh,
2: for twenty five years, you've been doing this. Who are the biggest ticket sellers that <laughs> from from the business that you that you've seen?
3: I would say. See I you know I joined the business right when 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 you joined WWE and Rock and Stone Cold and DX it was incredible you know you, you see notes on the internet now or social media oh yeah this show did 8000 uh, wh- wh- you know wh- what a great uh, result and it is mm-hmm. it's a great result now but I remember you know we were we were doing 15, 15 for house 16, shows for house shows yeah for house shows so, yeah. but but that was an unprecedented time yeah. so I, I you know Steve obviously rocked you know the uh, introduction of yourself, DX. all around the same time. It was a perfect uh, yeah. And Mick, you can't forget Mick. Yeah. M- Mick was so important when, when Steve went out. Uh, a, a, great, uh, a great baby face. Um, after that, John Cena.: To this day: To he this puts day, Cena on a show, he, he sells 5,000 tickets Great, And I'll tell you what about John when it was a media Day. It was four in the morning, 4:30. He was there in the hotel, ready to go. all business. Um, Cena, Ray Mysterio. Congratulations to Ray, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, on his Hall of Fame. He, that man sold tickets. Really, that's cool. He did. uh, I would say you know right when, right before he he won his title, uh, and um, soon thereafter, a lot of it was market specific too. But he Mm. he moved the needle. I'll say this about Big Dave. He moved tickets when he uh, Mm. first became champion. Batista. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, he did in that regard. Uh, And then here. you know, uh, at the onset, I mean, the, the whole rollout of, of AEW, the curiosity uh, of it. I think, you know, the, the big players were Cody, yourself, Kenny, and, and, and the Bucs. Uh, mm. You know, f- you, you guys weren't out there each and every week. Right. They wanted to see you, yeah, yeah, which yeah. was huge uh, in, in that regard, in, in terms of uh, true needle movers, mm. as they say.
2: Well, dude, it's been great talking to you, man. It's very and interesting stuff. I've been wanting to do this for a while. Yeah, it's it's, it's a show day, too, so yeah. like we got to get to work here. But uh, it's awesome stuff, and That's I think great you do a stuff. great job. No, man. No, I'll be, thank you, Chris, I'll for be, the
3: opportunity. and um, Every time, whether you know whatever the topic is, I, I appreciate it.
2: I'll be texting you in about 20 minutes to find out where we're at today. That's no, okay. I'll tell you how walk-up's <laughs> going. Thank you, guys. Thanks, dude. <laughs> All right.